outside the tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. That's Joe. How's your energy level right now? (laughs) <laughs> My, uh, uh, I am very fired up right now. No, you're not. I slept two and a half hours last night, had a lot on my mind. We've and had 12 Zoom calls today. Yeah, at least 12. No, I'm good. But I'm, believe, I'm ready to go. Believe it or not, <laughs> uh, being the co-host of Outside the Tank is not our, our full-time uh, gig. So sometimes this gets done at the end of the day. And uh, when Joe does not have a sandwich for lunch, the energy level just craters. So for all the entrepreneurs that are watching or listening, make sure to not skip lunch or else your afternoon energy level. You'll wind up like you wind up like Joe B. He was just slumped pile. over in the in our <laughs> other office. He was just slumped over. It's a very uh, comfy a chair. It's a very comfy chair. It's I, like a couch. I think you actually <laughs> fell asleep for a second. My eyes did close. All right. Well, we're excited to be here. I uh, hope you are enjoying what we're doing with Outside the Tank. I- I'll tell you, uh, we have so much fun talking to these entrepreneurs, um, picking their brains, asking them tough questions, getting great insight. Uh, I- I'm not saying this because I'm a co-host, but I really uh, I think that these conversations are great and valuable for an entrepreneur, whether you're just starting a business uh, or you've been at this for a long time. These are seasoned pros. They're great entrepreneurs. They have such diverse backgrounds, perspectives, industries. I just think there is so much to take away from these interviews. So I hope that you're enjoying them, uh, enjoying listening to them as much as we are having them and hosting them. And we must be asking the right questions because typically after we get off air, they'll go, gosh, I've never been asked those questions before. You dug some great stuff out of me and my story. So I think we're on the right track with all of this. Yeah, so let's talk Anthony Franco. MC Squares, uh, these are reusable stickies that are kind of like little dry erases. Yeah. Um, and then they also, they make these dry erase boards. And so Tablets, little stickies, tablets, boards. Yeah, really cool business. Uh, and, and Anthony, as he'll talk about, uh, he's a software guy by trade. So he had started and exited software businesses. Floor companies. Yeah, but here he is on Shark Tank with a, a product um, a, a modernization, if you will, of sticky notes yeah. and a different dry erase board. <laughs> Not what you would have thought uh, he'd be doing, but he comes into Shark Tank uh, asking $300,000 in exchange for 10% of his company. Joe, what happened? Well, his uh, he announced that his sales had gone from 214000 to about $1.2 million. So there's a lot of interest. By the way, great guy. And he announces on the on the taping that he barely graduated high school. So I fell in love with Anthony immediately because I barely graduated high school. I barely. But you graduated middle school. <laughs> that sounds hard to believe. Middle school was the toughest seven years of my life. So Rohan Rohan went out right away. He 
He said, it's not a major problem. He didn't understand the product. Barb went out, loves her sticky note. She doesn't want to save the environment. She loves her paper. Um, Lori went out uh, simply because she had no passion for the uh, product. And Cuban thought there are too many similar products on the market. But Mr. Wonderful made an offer. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, there's a, a lot of good stuff here that we dug out. He, well, you got to say where it goes. Oh, so you got to deal with Mr. Wonderful. Hey, it appears. 300000 for 25%. percent we always like to ask, did the deal go through? But <laughs> on air, he got a deal. On, on and, air, and not only that, he, he had this sports jacket on with these squares. Oh, so okay. Cool. You got to go watch the clip. But <laughs> he ended up giving it to Mr. Wonderful at the end. And he says that Mr. Wonderful still has it in a closet somewhere. Uh, a lot of good stuff. I mean, uh, you know, no, no business is you know, linear or, or you know, uh, a straight Everything has its bumps and grinds. And he was producing this product in the Far East, and the, he got a call. They lost his molds, and they asked him for another 40. Just lost his molds. Could you please give us another 40,000? So one of the things that we learned from Anthony is he believes you have, you have to be delusional to be an entrepreneur, and I tend to agree with him. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's jump into our interview with Anthony. Uh, really cool guy, really fun interview. Hope you enjoy. All right, we are here with the proprietor of MC Squares, Anthony Franco. Welcome to Outside the Tank. Thank you for having me. I've, I've never heard myself heard somebody call me a proprietor. That's the that's a first. <laughs> someone I forget who said that. They'd always whoever they when they were introducing someone, if it was like an author or yeah. a business owner, they'd always go the proprietor of. And I I don't know, I always love that. The best, got, the best thing I ever got called from stage in a workshop I did uh, back east was they called me a raconteur. I like that one. <laughs> a what raconteur? It's like an entrepreneur that's just a little shady. Raconteur. <laughs> oh, they, they, they pegged you right then. <laughs> well, enough about us. Let's talk about you. Uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm excited for this one. You know, it's because of that jacket. We, we've had people on here where I didn't remember their pitch, but you with that jacket, I, I couldn't forget it. It's the first thing people ask me about when they, after they've seen the episode. Yeah. You know, you you could have gone on there and pitched those jackets and probably sold a couple thousand of them. <laughs> I've had people ask me how much for the jacket, but Kevin still has his. He, he still, we, you know, I gave it to him on the episode, and he, he's sitting in a closet somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell. Did you was did you actually buy that somewhere, or was that custom made? No, I. So I made. I was in my living room with fabric tape and a and a cheap uh, white overcoat painting that thing uh oh, days God. before i flew out to this the sony lot yeah it was a, <laughs> it was definitely a a craft moment for me <laughs> yeah well uh start at the beginning where did the idea for this business come from and, and walk us through the timeline of you know what transpired previous to getting on shark tank yeah so um I, i'm a serial entrepreneur i actually have uh i've started and sold four other tech companies um prior to MC squares and in my last company, I, I, I ran, it was a, it was a user experience um, consultancy. And for those that don't know you user experience or UX means we, we built software that didn't suck to use. <laughs> um, it was, it was focused on the design side of, of software, the, the user interface down. Anyway, um, I ran that man. I ran a lot of design thinking workshops 
and um, noticed that the the real work, the real thinking, the best ideas came out when we, you know, we grabbed the dry erase marker and and uh, and, and the sticky notes, the paper sticky notes. That's where really where the the ideas started to flow, and it also got people. You know the, the the people with the best ideas, the the quiet and cerebral, to also share in, in the in the design thinking workshops. So I, I when I sold that last company, I decided I wanted to one I wanted to get out of tech. I wanted to do something that that improved lives in the real world, <laughs> and um, and I was I'm kind of a dry erase nerd. So I thought how do, how about we combine that handheld tactile nature of uh, of our of our of these little dry erase boards that I that I started to just carve up for those design thinking workshops and make a real company out of it. That's the that's our origin story. And did you bootstrap this thing? Did you raise any money? Where did uh and and, and what did it take to really get some prototypes built and get this thing off and running? Yeah, so my I self-funded for quite a bit. I, I would it, it would be unfair to call it bootstrapping because of my last exit. I had some some cash that to um, to to put into the company. Essentially, the first few years of the company was me understanding how to make things that were physical. <laughs> so, uh, being a software guy, I thought it'd be really easy. I bought a really expensive three D printer and thought I'd just print some stuff out and and then take those prototypes to injection molders and uh, quickly learned that because I can design it doesn't mean it could be manufactured. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, had a lot of failures in the first few years on, on developing the initial prototype product. Um, and then finally you also, launched... You also had someone lose the molds on you. Did I understand that? Correctly? Yeah, yeah. So so we launched in 2016, our first... It was it was a... It was the, we call it the MC Squared Tablet. It's a three-dimensional dry erase board that you can te- put templates into and, and draw over it. it. We sold it into schools um, and into corporations. And um, it was doing really well. And, uh, you know, we were doing... 50 to 70k a month in revenue on that product and we went to do a new order and the Chinese factory said we lost your molds um, and you're gonna need to pay us another 40 grand in order to um, reproduce the product and I you know I was I was I was shocked that I no longer I did I thought I owned the business and I didn't this Chinese manufacturer did um, and so uh, you know, shame on me for not knowing how to how to negotiate those deals, and and I should have flown out to meet them before uh, I engaged in manufacturing. But nonetheless, it was a lesson learned, and I decided to bring to redesign the product so we could manufacture it closer to home. And then once we did that, we said, hey, you know, we could probably buy a couple pieces of equipment and do it ourselves. And and that's we we did that in 2018. So essentially, shut the company down in end of 2017 to retool and relaunch the product uh, at the end of 2018. Um, so yeah, that, that's the long story. That's the long version of that story. And how did you end up on Shark Tank? Did you apply? Were you beaten down their door? Did they find you? Yeah, uh, it, it was the former. I, I, I applied once a year, sometimes twice a year for four years. Um, and uh, finally told them, 
this is my last time. Like I'm being invited on other reality things. I want to be on Shark Tank. So if you're not going to go with me, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on this other show. And, and I, I was staring at the contract to go on this other show and the producer said, all right, fine, you're in. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, it, it took some begging and pleading for me to, for me to get on the show. It's, like you know, they, like they go for you- 40,000 companies a year. Um, and whittle it down to, I think they, they film like 120 or 130 a year. It's crazy. I like that you hit them with, Hey, this is the last time I'm applying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like they could care less. Right. (laughs) But, but Hey, it works. So (laughs) at least their answer wasn't, do you promise? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So you aired, uh, May 13th, 2020, Walk us through how your life changed uh, following airing and what those first couple days and months were like afterwards. You know, it's, it's, re- it's, it's really kind of funny. So um, in, at the end, really at the kind of the end of 2019, the company started to take off. We, sw- we, we, we launched some new products that were more, much more consumer friendly and our, 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 direct to consumer business has just started to to take off. And so at, by the time we we filmed on it, uh, I should say at the beginning of 2019. So uh, um back up a little bit. We aired in May of 2020. We filmed in June of 2019. So we launched our consumer products in, in, in January of 2019, and it really it, it just started to take off. So once once that once we aired, you know that that momentum was was really positive. All the sharks loved the fact that we had that momentum, and then we didn't air for another 11 months, and and the company really started to like hit its stride at the time we aired. So if you look at our growth chart. Um, you can't even tell where we aired on Shark Tank. It's just, it's not even a blip on the line that, that, that shows where we grew. That said, um, uh, not to say that Shark Tank certainly hasn't helped. It's helped a lot. It's just, you can't tell where we aired if you look at it. Um, so we, we had the first, the first couple of days afterwards, we had this, you know, tripled or quadrupled sales. And then it just slowly tapered off back to our, regular <laughs> growth trajectory. Um, changing my life. What, I, I don't know if it, it, it dramatically changed my life. Um, I, I've been fortunate enough to, 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 um, to build some successful companies. Um, and, and MC squares has been, has been doing really well, but, from an, a life experience standpoint, there's, there's no comparison. Like I wouldn't exchange that experience for, I, I wouldn't do anything differently. It was just an incredible experience and, um, and every entrepreneur's dream to be on it. So, it, uh, um, so I would say it changed my life, but it was, it was an awesome experience. So this business is, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot different than the other businesses you've previously started and run. So what's different about it? What's better than it? What's worse than it? I'm just curious how it compares and maybe how you feel about this business and the work you're doing now compared to the previous stuff you've done. 
yeah. So it, it's like night and day difference. I was, I was writing, uh, you know, I was running a company that was building software for, for, e- for either to sell to companies or for directly for Fortune 100 companies. Um, so it was a very software development and software companies are dramatically different than physical product companies. Are, are the sales cycles different? So selling to enterprises is, is a lot different than selling to consumers. Um, and, and making physical things is a lot different than, I mean, if you think about software, you know, if you're writing an app and you, and you write a bug in the app, you can easily push an update and the update fixes the bug and, and, and you don't, and you don't have to reship to every customer with us. If the product's wrong, you have to start, you like, you can't go back and ask customers to return the product and like you have to re- rebuild all the products over again and reship them. So that's a dramatic difference um, with physical products versus software. And then logistics is a lot more complicated and inventory maintenance management is a lot more complicated. So, um, you know, there's a lot of complicated things about software, but a lot of things you don't necessarily think about when you're getting into physical product development. And then you add on the fact that we self-manufacture now um, in uh, that, that it's a whole nother layer of complexity. What did you learn by bringing the manufacturing in house? What were some of the, the lessons there? Good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. So um, I really love building stuff. Like it's, it's really cool being a part of that build process and, and my tech background has really helped. So, so, uh, you know, we're trying to put in the digital efficiencies of software and bring it into manufacturing. And that's been really fun is, is, is learning how to use equipment and to make equipment do what you want it to do with, with, with software. Um, But the, but the, the fun part is, is you, you know, you get to make a change and it physically manifests itself into a product that you're holding, you know, a couple hours later. It's, it's, it's quite great. Um, it's also really expensive. <laughs> That's the harder part. It's really expensive to tool a new piece of um, a new product and, and get it to market. I'm looking at your face and, and the difference between running those great user X software companies and the, uh, uh, what MC squares has become it almost, I'm looking at your face thinking this, you're, you're saying without saying it, this is a real company with a real product. That's almost what I'm hearing. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the other companies were real companies too. <laughs> um, but, but um, there's something I just love about, about this company in particular. We're solving problems that are fun to solve. Um, we got great customer adoption and um yeah, I, I like building stuff with my hands. It's it's really quite fun. Joe likes doing yard work, but he's not very good at it. <laughs> he comes in injured every Monday morning because he tried to work with his hands over the weekend. I, lost, yeah, I hate yard work, so I I, I, I don't even tr- attempt it. I lost a toe last week with a chainsaw, but that's a story for another time. Did, did you Did you really? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, you know, if you lost, you only type with two fingers. So if you lost any of the other eight, if <laughs> that, that's actually a true story. So um, tell us about Start Engine. You are 
doing a raise. I had never heard of this website before, so you got to walk us through. And I think this is going to be really interesting for the entrepreneurs listening to this. What is Start Engine? What are you doing on there? Um, why are you doing it? And then we're probably going to have more questions for you. Yeah, too. sure. Um, so it, before I start there, I'm going to back up a little bit and talk about um, raising capital, right? So, so, um, so for for companies, for product companies like ours, it's actually really hard to raise capital, even with the track record. It, it's been hard for me to raise capital, especially from from venture capital firms. Why? Um, the, the, there's been a significant focus on. Well, for uh, for me, there's an added added benefit of we sell dry erase products, which typically isn't like a VC um, darling of uh, of companies to start, right? So, you know, I talk to my old software buddies, and they're like, "You're selling whiteboards now?" I'm like, "Yeah, but they're cool." <laughs> so, so you know, it's it's like this. It's a it's typically thought of as a commodity space that that has you know three percent growth in the industry. It's not a it's not a sexy industry necessarily. Um, so convincing somebody that there is a there is room to make a lifestyle company out of dry erase products has been a little bit difficult. Um, but and you add on top of that that physical product companies don't have things like monthly recurring revenue. So if you think about other software companies, they they're a subscription service, and and it's not you don't have to pay to acquire a customer for every product you sell. So it's a little bit more difficult for, for venture capital or hedge funds to wrap their heads around a company like that until you're producing real profit. Um, unlike software companies where software companies go public without producing a profit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that there, there's that, there, there's that difficulty. Um, I, I have had success. So I have my own cash in this company and we have, we do have, uh, we have a fund and some angel investors involved, and I and I and we needed to raise more capital in order to continue our growth trajectory. So um, there's this thing called, um, well, the SEC back during the Obama era passed, um, well, Congress passed the Jobs Act, um, and uh, the SEC published those rules several years ago, and they just recently updated the rules to allow you to raise to allow startups like us to raise more capital from what you would call everyday investors. So before the Jobs Act, in order to raise capital as a startup, you could only do it for some from something known as an accredited investor. Right. So they had to have a certain net worth and a, or a certain income in order for for you to be able to ask them for money to to, to pitch in on your startup. Well, um, that left a lot of people out of a of a of an investment class, right? So, if you didn't make two hundred and fifty grand a year or have a half million dollars sitting in a bank, you couldn't invest in in high growth opportunities like ours. So, um, the SEC changed that and then just recently updated the rules so we could raise more capital from these types of investors. Um, so, and so one of the rules, so. That's a big explanation to get to what Start Engine is. <laughs> um, so um, one of the rules with the SEC is to, in order to raise under what they call Regulation CF or Reg CF, you have to do it through a platform that is licensed by the SEC. Start Engine is a platform that is licensed to host these types of raises. And there's certain restrictions around what we can and can't say and where we can say it. Like I can't talk, the SEC says, I can't tell you what my valuation is 
outside of this platform. So if you ask me, I'd have to say I'm prohibited from doing that. I can't tell you what types of securities we're raising or, or when even when that starts and closes um, or when, when it's going to start. But but what I can tell you is it's startengine.com slash MC squares and everyday investors can invest in a company like ours for as little as a hundred bucks. So uh, even if, you know, you know you, you, it's, for, it's for the everyday investor. Accredited investors also um, weigh in on these types of races, but um, it's typically for folks that want to start dabbling as an angel investor, even if they if even if they're making you know, um, well, it doesn't matter what you make, you can you can invest. So, so I'm uh, I'm going to go on there. I'm going to invest in twenty companies, hundred dollars each, and then when I'm talking to people, you know, like at the golf course or <laughs> you're out an angel, you're, you're, you're an investor. Yeah, I've invested in twenty, uh, you know, startups, and uh, yeah, they're doing well, and uh, my portfolio of companies. You know, I'm young married, but if I was single, I might do that. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I, I just come to, I just come to think, thanks to Reddit now, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions uh, more everyday investors out there that are aware of equities in the market. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got the GameStop stuff that just happened and, and, and all this NFT stuff that's going on too. It's like, it, it's becoming this this crazy bubble of, of things that most people don't understand. <laughs> so I'm, sitting, I'm sitting there at dinner the other night and Beth says NFT this it, it, and at 4.15 in the afternoon. Yeah, because uh, we, we like the early bird specials because I'm old. But I'm sitting there and Beth said, oh, yeah, NFT. And I said, what's an NFT? She said, a non-fungible token. I go, what? You know, story. Hey, that's good. She, she do it. It's moving so fast. It's changing so fast. How do you stay on top of all this? Yeah, it's it, it's a little crazy. Yeah, the NFT and cryptocurrency and ICOs and uh, look, I, I get why people play in that market, but I don't know. There's something about me, you know, investing in something that's that you understand, that is real, that that you can see other people like, that you can use yourself. Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, you got to take it with a grain of salt when I'm when I'm saying this, but um, you know, I've got my own cash into this because. I, I can, I can, um, I can hold these stickies and, and, uh, and use them. And, and, um, so can our customers. So anyway, let me ask you this. So someone makes an investment, obviously the denomination doesn't matter. What information do you have to provide them? Do you have to give them monthly financials quarterly? What kind of disclosures do you have to provide? Yeah, we, we, so we owe, we, we file, uh, uh, an annual update, um, to, with the SEC, and um, and what we're doing, we're, what we're doing. So we just opened the round um, a couple of days ago, um, and it'll be open. Well, I can't talk about how long it'll be open because of the rules, but it'll it'll open for a little bit. But it, it's a limited time kind of thing. And then after that, we involve our investors. We're, we we plan on involving our investors in things like discounts and 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 they'll have special access to early early products and prototypes. Um, and, and also, we'll be providing them um, leadership updates from the company, not just from me, but operations and marketing um, every quarter, and, and lo- as well as what we're supposed to do every year. It, it's, a, it's a little financial update that we're supposed to do. And how do they get paid back? And, and I'm not, you know, it's, I don't mean just your particular company. I'm just curious in general, does there need to be an exit um, is there a quarterly or yearly distribution? Is it completely at your discretion? It's so it's it depends on the company that's so I'm not talking about MC Squares. I'm talking about just 
Great. In general, companies that raise under Reg CF, what you're betting on, right? Yeah. So it is a longer term investment. The comp- the 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 investment that you make is not is not necessarily liquid. That is changing because exchanges are coming up. But but right now you you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to put something in if you need that cash maybe next month, right? You, you're making a longer term bet on a company uh, on a startup company under these platforms typically. Um, and some companies offer dividends. Um, uh, some companies are just there. It's just when they grow and exit, you participate in the upside of that exit. Um, so, it, so yes, typically speaking, you're investing in a company for a longer term. You're getting closer or into the. You're getting closer access to the leadership, and you're getting in earlier. That's why. Um, that's why people invest in these. It is higher risk. The flip side is it's it, hopefully it's higher reward because of that, especially if you diversify, which is what everybody says you need to do if you're going to invest in this investment class. So it's very I am not an SEC expert or an investment expert or a lawyer. So, so please go talk to your own counsel. <laughs> very similar to what an angel might do with a million dollars that's burning a hole in their pocket. They'll throw a hundred thousand at ten different companies, and one or two will be a a home run, you may have a double, and then you have some strikeouts in there. That's that. That's exactly the philosophy, um, not just with angel investors, but also most venture capital firms. It's it's um, let's throw a million here and a million there, and and a diversify. And you want one unicorn, one or two unicorns, um, which are home runs, right? Billion dollar companies that go IPO. You want a, a couple of singles and doubles, and and expecting a, a few strikeouts as well. You've, you know, you've such an interesting background. You've obviously, this is not your first rodeo in terms of building and, and starting a company um, or exiting. So what are some of the key things that you've learned or um, key themes that you live by as an entrepreneur that you think would be interesting for other entrepreneurs to hear? Well, you know, I'm not going to get add anything new to this conversation. I'm afraid like you, you hear it all over the place. The thing that matters the most is people period and, and, and hiring the right people and making sure the wrong people don't get to join the team is core critical to success. Um, uh, you know, we, we kind of, I kind of have this, I don't know if this is a PG 13 audience or not, but no, you can swear. I, I have this no asshole policy that we, we <laughs> just, it. we just don't, de- we just don't hire or deal with, with assholes. And yeah. that philosophy has really worked for me. <laughs> um, not, not to say that I, I'm not that sometimes, especially when people have it coming, but for the most part, it's like, do, do you like people? Do you like dealing with people? Um, and, and that, that even comes more especially true when you're hiring folks in a manufacturing facility, because, you know, it's a much bigger group and they, they, everybody has to get along. And, and so culture is extremely important. Um, uh, when you're thinking about the right people, the wrong people, Anthony, is there a characteristic or two? that you value very highly that kind of jumps to the top in your mind when you or someone else uh, are making selections of new talent for the organization? Yeah. In my, in my last company, we don't have a receptionist yet at MC squares, but in my last company we did. And, and, um, and the thing that I would always, so every job applicant would come in 
And I would ask Carrie, I said, they would go through the interview, blah, 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 and they'd leave. And I'd come back and ask Carrie, how, what did you think of that person? And if they were mean to Carrie, if Carrie gave me a face, you know, like, um, I knew they weren't a fit. It's just like, are, are you nice? Are you nice to people even when you don't have to be? Even when they're, when you might perceive them as having a lesser job than you're, than you're trying to um, get into. And so it, it's, it's really just kindness is, is the thing that keeps coming to the top. Yeah. Um, and, and positivity, uh, hopefulness, um, uh, curiosity, those are things that really matter, especially in a high growth company like this. Yeah. Are you kind to people when no one's watching, right? Exactly right. Yeah. What's the, you know, three to five year vision for this company and when and how do you see an exit occurring? Yeah, I, I want I want to build one of the biggest companies that ever appeared on Shark Tank. Like that's why I'm in this. Um, and and, it, and I, be, before Shark Tank, I would have said I want to build the biggest one of the biggest office supply and home office product companies in the world. Right. So the, the, I I really want to build something big and substantial. Um, uh, that being said, I do exit. Like <laughs> I don't I don't stay with a company forever. Um, and so, um, it's it, my, um, my personal goal is to exit somewhere between three and five years. Sounds very clear. sounds like you put, you know, we, we ask this question a lot with folks that we work with, what's that three to five year plan. And sometimes it's very fuzzy and sometimes it's very clear. Um, I'm making the assumption you put a lot of thought into it and it's pretty clear what you want to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, an interesting like inside baseball note about, about shark tank. Um, it puts the sharks in a really awkward position. It, 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 fundamentally, some of the companies they invest in, there is no exit plan or strategy. Like the, the, there's no goal to get out of the company. It's a family business. It's been, you know, it's third, fourth generation. So it, it requires some creative investment thinking from those sharks in order to make those investments make any sense for them. It's a really unique investment um, uh, criteria that they have to deal with um, when looking at companies for, for me and, and, and Kevin O'Leary invested in us, it's been, um, it was a little bit easier because it's like, yeah, this guy's exited before he's exit minded. He knows where he wants to go, but I can empathize with those, with those folks, you know, and I also hear a lot of people, you know, complain about, you know, oh, I would never take that deal on, on Shark Tank. And it's like, you don't know, <laughs> you, you know, you don't know, you don't know why the deal's structured that way. You don't know why the sharks are asking what they're asking. And, you don't know what the final terms were when they actually closed the deal. So um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, unlike anything else on the planet. Last thing I want to ask you is uh, kind of a three-part question. Where can people find the product? Where's the best place for them to buy your products? Um, the second is where can they follow you on social media? And then the third is just give us that link again, if anyone's in, interested in investing um, in MC Squares, where they can go to learn more and potentially make an investment. Yeah. So we're, uh, thank you for that. Um, 
So you're giving me the opportunity to do a little shameless self-promotion. So oh, and, I, and I asked you, so you don't, you're not even really plugging yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's very kind of you. Uh, so uh, to buy to buy our products um, and check them out, um, mcsquares.com or amazon.com slash mcsquares. Um, and it's Mary Charlie squares, plural. Um, uh, for the, for the start engine campaign, it's, um, it's uh, startengine.com slash MC squares. Um, and that campaign is, is active uh, for, for a little bit. Um, and then social media, you can follow us on social media. We, we have different, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, uh, and all of those links are available on our website as well. This was a lot of fun. We, we appreciate you yes. making the time. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, you're, you're an awesome guy. Lots of great <laughs> wisdom. And, uh, by the way, I love this guy because we have something in common, Anthony. And what's that? Uh, both of us uh, barely graduated high school, so. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs um, have a, a, a torrid past with school. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Well, why, do you, why do you think that is? Because we're broken. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we fundamentally... Look, I think it's because we fundamentally look at stuff and go, I, I don't know why I'm here. I'm going to go this direction instead. Um, and uh, we're not okay with the status quo. We're not okay with following rules. Um, mm. I, I just, I, it also makes us terrible employees as well. So I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm horrible as an employee. You're unemployable. <laughs> You're unemployable. I'm totally unemployable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's probably something to be said too of, Hey, this doesn't come natural to me. This is really hard. So if I'm going to be able to make a buck in this world, I'm going to have to work my ass off for it. Yeah. There's no, there is no data that suggests anybody's going to be successful as an entrepreneur. You have to be delusional in order to even attempt <laughs> a start and, and even more delusional to, to try to work your way through the obstacles, the unforeseen things that get thrown in your way. Like you just, you just have to have no shame and no, no, um, no fear of, of failing it. it other, and, and that requires some weird, like, I probably should go through therapy because it, yeah, we it, all it should. Really, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. We all go, we, we, to, just to survive as an entrepreneur, we sometimes have to go to a very weird place, dark place in our head, but yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well, thank, thank you so much. We so appreciate you joining the show. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Anthony all right. He was good. That, that's uh, that was he's fun. a good guy, fun guy. He nice covered a guy. lot of ground in that one. Wow. Yeah. I, I learned uh, a lot. Two full pages of notes. Uh, on the post game, we just like to give you a few nuggets that we pulled out that we think are significant. We learn from this stuff. Of course it's we incredible. do. Look, we, we uh, are co-founders and, and, and run a business together. And so, you know, we're sitting here and we obviously want to be uh, – entertaining hosts and ask the right questions and uh, make sure the interview is great. But hell, we're sitting there taking notes. We're taking notes to share with you in the post game. Uh, but then there's also another set of notes. I don't know if you do this too, but you know, then I have another notepad or I just type it on my computer of stuff that we need to implement in our business. Like, Hey, that's a great idea. And so uh, I, 
I'm learning a lot from these. I know you are too. Uh, I, I can't imagine that those listening aren't taking a lot of stuff away from this. But like Joe said, what we like to do in this post game is just break down some of the things we learned, some of the big takeaways that are just great lessons for entrepreneurs. So as always, lead us off. I'll go first and I'll hit my list. It may, uh, it, you may cover some of this stuff too, but I yeah, mentioned- unlike you, I don't repeat what you say. <laughs> I, I love, to, call I love to take what you say and kind of reframe it in a different way. Yeah, we were on a Just we- to piss you off. We were on a, <laughs> on a webinar earlier. We probably had 15 folks that were uh, sitting there. And uh, I, I got asked a question. I answered the question. And then he starts responding. <laughs> and halfway through, I'm like, I just said that, but I didn't say anything to him. I was polite. So he gets done you know, answering the question the exact same way I did, and I start giggling. He's like, what? And I'm like, no, no, no. And he just demands to know. I said, you just said the same damn thing I said. So, hey, we spend a lot of time together. And if you took laughter uh, and, and fun out of it, it would make for some really long days. So like my grandfather used to say, at least we're laughing. At least we're laughing. Yeah, <laughs> learn to learn to. It's a really good lesson. Learn to laugh at yourself. Those around you, uh, you know, when you have a partnership, it's it's like a marriage. You have to forgive a lot. You, you know, people are going to do goofy things around you. I do a lot of goofy. You don't do that many goofy things. I do most of the goofy stuff. That's fair. <laughs> but you have to laugh. You have to have a good time. You can't take anything uh, personally. So I'm going to go into, and I mentioned this up front. Um, Anthony said you have to be delusional. You have to be, you know, half crazy to want to be an entrepreneur. And I think that there's a lesson there. I think you have to understand that it's going to be a very, very bumpy road. And you have to adjust your expectations accordingly. So I like that he has, and this this is his fifth company. He said four startups in the in the SaaS arena and this real product company. And that leads me to my second point. He loves building stuff. He loves physical products and he loves building stuff. And you just see in his face how overjoyed he was when he started talking about bringing the manufacturing process in-house. I think he, he really now knows what he likes. And I think it's important to recognize that. Um, the biggest, actually two points for me that I think were huge. One was that some people have a vision that's not big enough and it's also kind of fuzzy. And his vision was really, really big, if you listen. It was really a big vision, and it was very, very clear. So I think there's a great lesson there. He spent some time on his three- to five-year plan. He knows exactly where he wants to take that business. So chances are he'll get there uh, and get there a lot faster than most would. And the other point is that you, you really need to be kind to people when the camera's not on. So... Uh, we like to do that. We like to be nice to people, even if they're not a fit for our business model uh, group or a practice leader position. We just like to be nice to people and leave them in a very nice way and help them in any way we can. But he does this interesting thing where and he talked about getting the right people on the bus, in my words, and the wrong people, keeping the wrong people off the bus, the company, the culture. But he goes out after he interviews someone and he talks to his receptionist and he just asks, were they nice to Carrie? <laughs> were they nice to Carrie? And if Carrie goes, eh, he doesn't hire him. Yeah. He probably throws a resume in the trash can. <clears throat> if they talk down to her, if they were mean. So it, I think it's important to be nice when the cameras aren't on. 
That's great. Um, all of that, uh, a couple other things I took away was, you know, obviously he had the issues with the uh, manufacturer in China and they lost the mold. They misplaced the mold. They wanted to, you know, put the screws to him and get another 40 grand. Who knows what happened, but he made such a good point. He's like, I, I don't, I don't own my business if I'm at the mercy of them. So, you know, I'd say if you're going to have a product built in China, work with experts that can help you navigate that process. Um, you know, we've had entrepreneurs that are bilingual or at least had some familiarity with China and they were able to go over and have conversations uh, in English with somebody and make sure it was the right fit. So yeah. really be careful who you get into bed with or, hey, maybe your margins won't be as good. Bring the production back here. And, and like Anthony said, you know, he could take ownership over that, find efficiencies and, and ultimately mitigate his risk. I thought that was really good. Um, the, you know, doing the raise through start engine, which again, allows any Joe off the streets to put a hundred bucks, 500, a thousand, whatever into a company, you know, he obviously has already seen some traction in that towards his fundraising goal. And, you know, I just, when entrepreneurs are like, nobody will lend us money. Well, maybe you can't get an SBA loan. Maybe your aunt and uncle think you're nuts and they don't want to give you money. Right. But there are ways to raise capital. There are creative things you can do and it may not be ideal. It may be hyper risky. I mean, this is coming from a guy who, you know, maxed out five credit cards when he started his first business right out of college. That was the only thing I I can think of. So you have to get creative and he's getting money through Start Engine. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really good idea, but be creative in how you raise funds. And if you are an entrepreneur, if you are a risk taker, it may be risky, but hey, I would rather bet on myself than bet on someone else or never even get a chance to put in that wager because I couldn't find the money. Absolutely. And it's interesting. <clears throat> uh, I wasn't aware that uh, it's called Rec CF. The Start Engine platform is an SEC authorized platform, and uh, you don't have to be an accredited investor to take $100, $200, and invest in a company. So, part of the Jobs Act that was uh, enacted uh, under the Obama administration, you learn something new every day. Yeah. We do learn from this stuff. We, we do. It's great. So, uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, our conversation with Anthony as much as we did. Um, as always, make sure to subscribe, make sure to give us those five stars. We're on social media, at Outside Tank. We're everywhere. Uh, tell your friends. Keep listening. We appreciate your support. And, and join a Growth 10 tribe. What are you waiting for? Yeah, if you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> Tom at Growth10.com, Joe at Growth10.com. Hit us up uh, if you want to lead groups of entrepreneurs or just join one and, and be around some like-minded peers. So uh, we're easy guys to find. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next week on Outside the tank. Thanks, everybody.